Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. I'm your host, MJ Doherty. Welcome to today's podcast of Life Lessons from a Total Failure. Really excited today because I have one of my best friends, Miss Kayla Gross here. Say hi, Kayla. Hello. So Kayla has wanted to be a guest for a while and she would always say, okay, am I important enough yet? Can I get on your podcast yet? And it was really fun for me to just kind of like play with her and be like, we'll see, we'll see. But Kayla's a, a, a VIP for sure. But today was a really good time to have her on the podcast because her first novel is coming out one week today one week well before i let her talk i'll tell you the funny story about reading her novel so obviously i have a lot of talented friends and when you have talented friends and they do creative things you want to support more than anything but sometimes your talented creative friends do things that suck and i was so afraid that when i read her book i would hate it that i wouldn't know what to say so i sat on it for about like four months and i was going to australia And I knew it was like I just had to read the book because I had been blowing it off for so long. So I'm on the plane to Australia and I open it up and I start reading it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is really good. But then I got super busy. So I only got to read the first couple chapters. So as soon as I got home from Australia, I think I was home, right? When I finished it? Yeah, I think so. I got home. So I was super tired, but I was completely jet lagged. So I opened it up and I sat and read the whole 300 some, how many pages is it? Like, I think the paperback's like 496. Yeah. Okay. Four, I read the whole thing in the night because it is amazing. Thank you. And I was so excited because I didn't have to be like, oh yeah, it was good. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Instead, I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. How are we going to make it huge? And we're going to help. I'm going to help you anybody I can. And how can I help? I can help with publicity and help let people know who Miss Kayla Gross is. So I've already talked more than she has. Let's turn this over to Miss Kayla Gross, one of my very, very best friends. And why don't you start by telling people who you are, where you're from, and all of the, the Kayla backstory they need to know to love and appreciate you. Oh, gosh. Um my name is Kayla Gross with an E, G-R-O-S-S-E. Like not, and with an E. Yes. But like Grossy with E. So she, you're not Gro- Josie Grossy anymore? I'm not Josie Grossy anymore. <laughs> I'm not Kayla Grossy anymore. <laughs> I do that to her all the time, by the Except way. Except a lot of people do say Grossy or Grasse because they're afraid to just say gross. You don't have to be afraid. Yeah, it's, it's okay. okay. Say gross. I mean, it means great or large in German. So, you know. doesn't really. Oh, I guess a gross is a large Grusa. order, right? 244 is a gross. I, th- I think so. Yeah, if you order something from you remember Oriental Trading, where oh. you get all that crap yes. from made in China yes. for like seven cents. Yeah, a gross is two hundred forty-four. <laughs> Why yes. I know that, I have no idea. Maybe it's one hundred forty-four. Uh, I think I don't know the exact that. number, but I know what you're talking about. Okay, well, I am from Madison, Wisconsin. Actually, I'm from Middleton, Wisconsin, which is a suburb of Madison, and um, I grew up there. Actually, I was born in Chicago, but then I grew up in in uh, Middleton and lived there my whole life in the good old Midwest, the land of cheese. I would love to say that you would never know that she's from there because she's lived in California for so long, but that would be a lie because anything that has an AG <laughs> in it, like bag or bagel, she says, big. Can I have a big? Can I have a 
Bagel. Bag. A bag. A bag. Bag. Bagel. Bag. Bag. <laughs> It'll come out. You'll you'll hear the accent. I promise. Anyway, keep going. She's a Midwesterner. So I'm a Midwesterner. Sometimes I do talk kind of Hollywood, though. I used to have the nickname Hollywood when I would go home. I think everyone does when they go home to their smaller towns from here. But that's besides the point. So well, you also would come here uh, when you were kids. Though you were in college, you'd come here. College, which yeah, is, is kind of abnormal. Yeah, um, but we're forwarding ahead. So yes. little Kayla from Middleton. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, who has always had a love for the arts. Yes. Um, I was always a creative kid. My dad is a creative himself. He likes to write, even though I've never uh, gotten to read his writing besides his marketing genius self. But he's also a photographer. And then my dad, my, my mom is super crafty. She made us clothes, me and my sister matching clothes. We were like those kids with the same dresses and headbands Aww, you're like olin mills children <laughs> of the 90s yes. so cute yes and like stirrup pants and all that kind of stuff um and she makes lots of other gorgeous uh arts and crafts so yeah we i came from a very like artistic household um and i was in plays and music and choir and all that kind of stuff and i was also a horseback rider i used to show horses in um in you know the where they're called like a shows and 4-h i was in 4-h which some people don't know what 4-h is it's kind of like a section of it's sort of like future farmers of america if you know what that is yeah i think that's definitely a, a country thing i think we had 4-h i don't know what it is but there was 4-h where i'm from yeah it's like a four-leaf clover, clover yeah, yeah. So I'm in the clover. okay so that basically means like you want to be a farmer or the future farmers of america is but the the yeah it's it's like girl scouts but for everyone and you do you can do everything like you can show cows you can show pigs and like sell them oh my god that's money. awesome i've been always wanting to show my cows and my pigs <laughs> <laughs> oh llamas. 4-h i totally oh llamas oh man i missed my calling 4-h darn it yeah i'm su- that was like my the most small town i got i think but anyway so that's that's i grew up in doing all those types of sort of expression things and then um when I was I think like 16 or something I I my friend forced me to watch uh Lord of the Rings because Orlando Bloom was hot she said okay and I hated fantasy at the time which now that MJ (laughs) knows me that's like (laughs) hilarious. hilarious um I was like I remember seeing um a trailer for Lord of the Rings and um and thinking like oh god that looks terrible like I never don't want to watch that yeah and for some reason my parents don't buy dvds and for some reason they had bought the fellowship of the ring on the extended version it was like the four disc set and so i watched it because my friend forced me and uh let's just say the rest is history yeah in fact the thought of her and fantasy fiction i i i don't i would like put that as our middle name like i mean that that, i I can't even imagine what she was like before then because you are you're so passionate about that genre um but you're also passionate not just about you know the genre of that you're so passionate about film and tv and you know which is obviously why we became friends and why you live here um so that all that would that that all started from lord of the rings 
Uh, for the most part, I was always a fangirl. Um, I before I knew what a fangirl was, uh, I was a shipper or am a shipper. If, if people know what that is, I don't. She has taught me it. a lot about this stuff. And I had my friend Vanessa on, who it was on. Um, she did a lot of stuff. Like she was on. She worked in Lord of the Rings, and mm-hmm. she she was on like Narnia. And she brought up fan fan boys and fangirls and I had made this comment like oh my god I'm not like I would never want to be a fan person because you know whatever and I had to stop myself and be like wait Kayla has taught me so much about what (laughs) fandom is and I am deep down inside me I am a fanboy I just didn't know what it was and I've but like Kayla will actually talk in like fandom ease sometimes she'll be like oh yeah I used to ship this and I'd be like well who'd you ship it to like what did you have their addresses she's like no it's like when you want this one and this one to be together so you write this whole like timeline I was like oh oh wow (laughs) I was like you're in deep well yeah I I didn't know what shipping was until gosh I was uh, Tommy and Kimberly and the Power Rangers were my oh, first ship, boy. the pink and the green ranger. I was, I remember being like, they belong together in like kindergarten. That's oh so gosh. weird. I know, but it happened. Um, so I can't, I can't go back in time. My, I've always been romantic, I guess. And then hey, um, you wouldn't want to, cause it's set the course. Exactly. Who you are today. And um, then when I got older, this is so so weird too. I in sixth grade I started watching The Practice by David E. Kelly, which is still one of the best law procedural shows I think ever to have existed, in my opinion. And I shipped a couple on there, which ship is like short for a relationship, means that you like ship them together. And like there's whole forums online and stuff that you can get involved in with people and they talk about that stuff. And I know it sounds a little weird if you've never done it before or you don't know about it, but Well, it sounds weird, but I think everybody who loves a show or loves I mean, look at Ross and Rachel. Yes, like, exactly. That's I mean, shipping. That's so the thing is people wanted that. They wanted to see that. I mean, the nineties, the late nineties was all about right Ross and Rachel, right? And it's every show, like I mean, I loved the middle. I love the show The Middle and Sue had this one boyfriend like Darren and I was always like oh I love them they're so huge together I wanted to see them more so that's really the the basis it's like you love a th- this couple on whatever you're watching and but you just take it to the next step when people ship you actually start writing stories for them right yeah you can start doing fan fiction which was also another thing I when I first started writing fan fiction I or I should not writing reading fan fiction. I didn't know what it was. Like, I, I remember going on a, a forum for the practice and back then it was uh, dial-up, like, Moda. I mean, oh boy, like it was American like crap Online. sites, you know, like, yeah. where there's, like, ads everywhere and it was, like, neon colors and, like, all the links would be broken, like, when you click on them and, you know, showing my age a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I was reading this fan fiction uh, and I didn't know. I thought it was like a manuscript of, of the show. So I remember reading a fanfic and then looking for that show episode. episode. Oh my gosh. That was the script. Yeah. And so I went onto a forum and I, and, and it was my first time on a forum like that. And I just asked like, does anybody know what episode in which Bobby and Lindsay, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh, you probably read that in fan fiction. I was like, what's fan fiction. And hence how I found out what fan fiction was. And I remember the first time that I actually understood what it was. I think I stayed up all night long reading Bobby and Lindsay, the practice fan fiction. 
at All my right. tender art of heart in sixth grade. Which that show was way older for you. So way like older. You clearly were ahead of your time. I know. I used to that show was definitely an adult show. Way adult. Yeah. I thought I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney at some point, oh which I would have not done a good job at. Well it's funny because when I was young, I mean we're talking like I think late eighties, early nineties, oh, my favorite show was China Beach. China Beach is like super intense, but it's like an adult it was like the first adult in my mind, like soap opera, like, you know, they think Desperate Housewives was like this idea of this adult uh, primetime soap opera. Well, China Beach was that, but it was also like war and medical stuff and people dying. And I was like nine or ten and I the, the, the music would start and it was that um, Diana Ross song through the mirror of my mind reflections of and I'd be like, oh, my God, China Beach is on China Beach is on. And it was like crazy. I was way too young for that. But so that was your China Beach was. Yeah. Practice. And also, too, I um my mom was a big soap opera person. Uh, she'll probably say this is wrong, but she told me once that I was named after uh, the character Kayla in Days of Our Lives. Oh, my God. In the 80s. Mama Gross, if you're listening, they just announced they didn't renew anybody's contract from Days <gasps> of Our Lives, which means either they're canceling or they're going to invite them all back at a cut rate. And be like, either you're in or you're out. So I'm sorry Whoa. to tell you, but we think that we think that is officially dead. Well, I don't think she she doesn't watch it anymore. But you know, growing up, that was that was what she watched on. We had a, she would tape it on VHS tapes, and then I started taping over her stuff with the practice. Oh. <laughs> nice. And I had like stacks. I remember. Um, and then I became obsessed to me. And my sister both loved Passions. Which was oh my god, the worst thing that ever it's was so on TV. Bad. My cousin Jennifer was obsessed, and we went to Puerto Rico when she graduated high school. And one of the ladies from Passions was at the hotel we were staying at, mm-hmm. and she literally like had a mini stroke and got a picture <laughs> with her. So I watched that show after to see what it was. the The most heinously horrible thing that ever actually got a green light on TV. I think. Justin Hartley, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Oh, well, hey, it, good for these people that got careers out of it. But like there was like a witch and a small person and there was, it was bizarre. It was, it was bizarre, but, but I, it makes sense that kids would like it. <laughs> yes. So me and my sister really liked it. And um, then I, I had my mom buy me uh, the companion novel. And that was the first um, like erotica novel that i read and she unknowingly put it into my hands oh, nice. as a sixth grader <laughs> oh, yeah. I, and my mom doesn't know this story uh-huh. <laughs> surprise mom uh and i brought it to school and i remember like showing my friends and we would like giggle over the like sex scenes because they were super graphic oh whoops <laughs> i guess they didn't have the ratings back then I'm, no well i think i just begged for it because i was like i love did you hear that, guys? She begged. I knew she, he was gonna. She begged knew, for that. I knew he was oh gonna God, come back. She begged. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> this is the next. The, I told you you'd hear it. <laughs> so anyway, so this is like all. These were all the reason I mentioned things like this is because they were kind of all pivotal in sort of shaping my uh, fantasy. My I always was a daydreamer. I always was a person like even though I didn't necessarily say like I liked fantasy. I should say at the time, I think what I didn't like was high fantasy, which is a totally different genre, which would be like the Lord of the Rings where they create their own worlds and their own languages and things right. like that. I was more into like fantasy in terms of like my own imagination yeah. and whatnot. Like I think my screen name was Daydreamer22688 or right. you know, whatever. 
So And now you know her full birthday. Uh, <laughs> so just get her address and you can almost start to like steal her identity. <laughs> please don't do that. Good anyway, thing you don't have my social security moving number. On. Well, maybe she might say it later. Who knows? <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. <laughs> it's not like you can't find that on the internet these days. True, anyway, true. people's birthdays. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so that sort of one thing led to the another, and then the, the show I got involved in after that was Smallville. And uh, probably around the time when I was 15 and I was a, I never know if it's Clark or Clark, but it was a Chloe Clark uh, relationship. Well, here, I'll just let you feel better about this. No one actually cares what it's called. Hey, there are people on the internet land that care about this. You can call whatever you want because most people don't care how it's pronounced. Uh, And the reason why I mentioned Justin Hartley was because then he came on the show as Green Arrow at some point. And um, I was like, oh, that's Fox from Passions. Oh, my. All right. So I'm going to wrap up this section by saying. I think it's funny. so, So basically what you're saying is that this evolution of you always knowing that you were really imaginative and you were a dreamer. Then you started getting into actual, you know, the fan fiction kind of stuff and um, what with, with things like Lord of the Rings and Smallville. And it really started giving you a whole sense of like identity, right? Yeah. And it, you know, it was almost fun because it was the secret life for me, which I think is uh, a, what it, what fandom is for a lot of people. Um, I it took me a long time to come to terms with the fandom and the fangirl in me because there is sort of this stigma around it. And I remember one time, I don't know where I heard it, but somebody said, um, like grown men go to a football arena in negative 25 degree wind chill and cover their naked half naked bodies in body paint and put cheese heads on their heads like football. They're football fans. I like can't I have the same right. thing this for no difference. it's no right. difference and so I when I finally kind of it took me years to come to terms with it just be like I'm a fangirl and then I it, it's just been in recent years that I've been like yeah you know I was a fan fiction writer I really like this kind of stuff but it really helped kind of form who I was and um I also gained a lot of friendships from it and it really helped to also because when I did eventually start writing fan fiction it helped me to um really kind of make my writing style yeah and and i think that what i know from you is that also really helped you find the path of what your career was going to be because you became so invested and involved in the film industry and the tv um industry that you actually ended up going to school for that right yep so lord of the rings when i watched that at 16 it inspired me and then i started to do um get involved in film immediately after I watched all of the uh, extras on the DVD discs of fellowship. I became obsessed with the film industry and I totally kind of got in my mind. I was like, I'm going to be the next Peter Jackson, but the woman Peter Jackson, <laughs> like that's what I wanted. So I started research- researching film schools and all that kind of stuff. And at the time I thought maybe I was going to go into horse stuff. And I had applied to a few colleges that had like equine Therapy training or, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and my friend April uh, said, you know, I don't want to make my hobby, my career. Yeah. thought that's really smart because horses are a therapy for me and still are. And, and so I'm actually really glad I didn't take that, that path. It would have been awesome still, but you know, 
anyway, so yeah, so I that that led me to film school. I went to UW Milwaukee for about a year, and then I transferred into um, <coughs> UW Madison, and I did their narrative film program and uh, communication arts. So it was film, radio, television. So I learned kind of around right rounded education. You covered all your bases. Yes. And during that time is when you would come out to LA, right? Yeah. So one time I saw a sign. Um, she saw. I was a sign. just gonna sing it. <laughs> and it a... opened up her eyes. She <laughs> saw a sign. <laughs> exactly. I was singing it in my head. He knows me too well. Um, and so I saw a sign on a one of those college billboards. Or, yeah, those yeah. like circ- those things oh, on yeah, the street yeah, yeah, yeah. that they like stick, and it's like come to the Hollywood Badgers meeting. Badgers are the University of Wisconsin are a mascot. And I was like, Hollywood Badgers? What's that? And so I went to the meeting. And uh, one thing led to another. And eventually, this always happens to me. And I feel like it happens to you too, MJ. People are like, she has leadership skills. She has passion and drive. Do you want to be the next president of Hollywood Badgers? So I kind of just like quickly sort of went into this whole thing where I, the first year I wasn't the president, but it like that night after I was at the meeting, I talked to a few people that had been out to LA and I was like, I need to go to LA and I need to do um, an internship. And I remember calling my family like that night as I was walking back from the meeting, be like, I'm going to Los Angeles this summer. That's how crazy I get about stuff. I get an idea and I just usually do it right away without any sort of planning. Um, I, I can relate to that. <laughs> very impulsive sometimes, which is totally fine. Um, yeah, so I came out here in 2008, and I worked at a couple of different production companies. One of the first ones was on the Fox lot, which is really cool. I remember the first time I drove like a golf cart, I was so nervous. I was like, I'm going to crash into something. I'm going to ruin my life. Everything's going to... I was like a crazy person. I, I'm going to pause you right here in your story because I think that it's your life, so you probably don't see the the big jump that is. But for a lot of people, and even when I was listening to it, I was thinking, oh, it's really cool that when you were that young, you were just like, okay, I'm going to go to film school. Because I always say when I was young, I knew I wanted to be, I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be, you know, I was really ready to like throw Justin, like break Justin Timberlake's legs so I could take over for him <laughs> and in sync. But I never thought it was something I could actually do because real people, I always say this, real people don't do that. But here you are. You're this kid from in Wisconsin who's like, I'm going to do this. And you did. And in college, you're going to a lot. That's super cool. But for you, what was that moment like when you were walked onto the Fox lot? Were you like, holy F-balls, what is going on? Yeah, my heart was like thudding in my chest. And also, I have this. So I always have old cars. Like I've never had like a newer car. So the car that I drove cross country and had no cruise control no air conditioning me and my dad died on the way does your car now have cruise control or air conditioning because i don't think it has either it actually does does it have crank windows no okay but my, well it okay looks like it does crank windows. <laughs> <laughs> so i i drove out in my cousin's old 94 oldsmobile that was dented with, from hailstorms in the midwest and like rusted out and but it's all good now because now she has a 97 <laughs> a 98 a 98 toyota, toyota. <laughs> that's also rusted out but anyway so i remember so i have this curse though i swear i don't know i get cars and the window the driver's side window will work and then within a day or two they stop working but just the driver's side never any other window i don't know why it's like this i don't know it's oh my god so you drove that car up to the gate 
and they and needed to, to get your license because you have to give your license for security and you couldn't even roll down your window. Correct. I had to open wah, the door. <laughs> yeah. So that was always fun. Um, but, you know, the guy got to know me at the at the thing and it's just kind of like a fun little thing. Um, I remember another fun story. I met somebody once for an interview and I parked really far away because I was like embarrassed. embarrassed yeah. And I was in a neighborhood. And when I got back, there was a thing in my windshield that said like, uh, do you want to like trade your junk car or whatever? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> trade it for what? It trade is my only thing. <laughs> so anyway. But so the point is, it, no matter what, if you had a junk car or not, how cool is it that you were in college and you're on yeah. the studio lot? It was amazing. And um, I learned so much. I mean, I was so, I was definitely starry eyed and kind of, I lived on the UCLA campus with other college students. So if you're listening to this and you want to do an internship, that's like one of the cheapest ways to get a roommate for a brief period of time come and sublet with like five Smart. other people on ucla campus and also then you're around people your they age to meet people and they can tell you the ropes and stuff that's cool yeah. Yeah. and ucla it's really fun because down in that area they always do movie premieres so i remember oh, yeah. the first time i saw a movie premiere there i and i was like driving home and there was a ton of traffic and at first i was like super pissed because i couldn't get home and then i was like oh my god a red carpet which is really ironic be- just to show how different life can be in a decade because last night on the telephone we talked about how we were so we're so over red carpets and i'm like oh i have to go to red carpet and she's like yeah the first couple times are cool but then it's just like oh i have to get dressed go to red carpet it's so hard i know oh my gosh please shoot me in the head <laughs> i know but you say that and we say we okay we say things like that because we're both kind of like oh it's you know it's like eight o'clock like do i really want to get myself ready to be somewhere at nine o'clock at night for a, a red carpet but even now, the minute we get there, we both are like, oh, we're in a carpet. So we say these things yes. just to make it just to convince ourselves that it's OK, that we're not going to get out of our pajamas. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> in my old age of 30 something, I'm definitely like ready for bed. Time. Yeah, but it's, it's still the, 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 the thing is, it's just funny because I remember that feeling that first time seeing that stuff when you're in L.A. And if it's your passion, it's the stuff that you love. And I've always been obsessed with like TV and stuff. So when I would see these things happen in LA, I'd be like, oh my God, I live in LA. And that didn't go away. Well, I don't know if that has gone away actually no, for me. me so after this um, internship, you were like, okay, I'm moving to LA. It's happening. Yeah. I mean, I always kind of thought, I always knew I was going to. Um, I came for my first ever vacation to LA the year bef- year or two before I did the internships. And it was my first, not first ever vacation, but like my first ever airplane ride when I was like 20 thing with came with my girlfriends and i remember i pretended to like it here because it wasn't how i saw it on television like when i saw where they do the academy awards and it was a mall spoiler alert guys la looks nothing like it does when you come and people come and they oh it's i feel so bad i know if you know someone who could show you la it's the most fabulous amazing city ever if you don't know anybody you're going to hate it yeah, so I didn't like it, and I just pretended to, but I convinced myself, like, well, that's that's where I need to go. So the internships, at first, it was really hard because I didn't really have any friends. And then I went to a Hollywood Badgers get-together here in L.A., and I met my friend Rachel, and that actually changed a lot of my perception of Los Angeles because I realized that once you have friends here oh, yeah. and things, a person to do, because I don't like to do things like big things alone. I'm fine going with, like, movies and plays and stuff alone, but I don't like to travel and, like, go to stuff like that alone so i um 
she became my buddy. We would, so we actually ended up like going all over the place and going to different places. And that kind of shifted my perspective of Los Angeles. And it's funny because I'll give a big shout out to Rachel. Cause she is the kind of person that you would want to meet. Like it's, it's, and it's telling for this story, but for everyone's narrative that like, if you have a, a, a friend like Rachel, who is like a really good person, good friend, someone you can count on, like it can make or break anything in your life. So kudos to yeah, Rachel, Rachel for for helping you love LA cuz you know yeah. you, without without her you wouldn't be where you are. Well, and it's so interesting too because we were both just here for internships and she was a year older than me, so we both went back to school and then she came out to LA a year before me. So I knew when I came out here that she would also be here and then we started I started to meet more people through like internships and stuff. And then, uh, but yeah, so working on the lots, working for different people, I worked in every aspect. Like I did documentary, I did reality TV. And so I, I moved out when I graduated in 2010 um, and came out here. I had this huge resume that was like crazy because I had done at one point, I think I was doing three or four internships in the same summer. Like I would do like one where I didn't have to go into the office and all that kind of stuff. So I was like super driven and motivated. So when I, I think I literally moved out to LA a week after I graduated, like I graduated and then I was like, goodbye parents and drove across the country in my Toyota, my 98 Toyota that did have have. cruise control. Well, that one was wrecked, but then I got another. (laughs) (laughs) She really likes the 98. They're great cars. So guys, if you have them out there, this one's probably going to die soon too, but she'll totally buy another one. Buy another one. If it, if the driver's side window works. (laughs) Um, All right. So we're going to fast forward on the timeline a bit because I think we've established your passionate nature. So um, you're also a performer and this is how Mm -hmm. we became friends. We um, both got a Groupon for an acting class and I I don't know how to tell this story without making us seem like really terrible people, but it was just such a ridiculous, it was ridiculous, ridiculous, this class that we ended up sitting in the, I sat in the back and she was in the back and we just started like, heckling people and like to ourselves well, I was gonna say, not like heckling no but like we were just like <laughs> laughing because it was it was just absurd the whole thing so that's kind of how we met but we both kind of had very similar things where we knew that we were performers and we were super passionate we're both singers and we weren't singing and you know I was kind of like dabbling in acting and she kind of wanted to act and we we didn't really know how it was going to unfold for us but we knew we wanted to do something bigger than what we were doing and so we instantly became friends. Mm-hmm. But then something really odd happened. And this is the part of your story, which is really interesting, guys. So Super interesting. But this is why you're a great guest, because you were on a path. You worked so hard. You had all this drive. You had this creativity. And then something pivotal in your life happened. So tell us about that event. Oh, okay. Everyone grabbed their drink wine i don't know what do you need a shot if you're driving don't do that but <laughs> don't. yeah listen um, buckle up buckle up um put on a helmet maybe now this now remember this is a woman who was super driven knew what she wanted thought told her parents bye i'm out completely independent and then so <laughs> um i was in LA for a little over two years at this point. Um, I had this big resume when I first moved out, thought like, oh, hell yeah, like everything's going to go great. Like someone's going to totally hire me. And guess what? Nobody did. And this is a 
this isn't because of my talent. I'm just going to say that. And that's not me trying to be egotistical. It's just like facts. I would get, I think I went over on over like a hundred job interviews. I stopped counting after a hundred. And usually what would happen was that I was just a status quo. Like they were going to hire from internal people. And so I, they would love me and be like, sorry, we'll keep your, your, you know, your resume on file. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I was like super disheartened. I was working at Starbucks in Beverly Hills and even my lovely customers would help me get job interviews. And I actually got my first um, job at Bunim Murray Real World Season 29 or something in the casting department from somebody at Starbucks that I used to make her drink for um, for her. Asia, if you're listening, hello. Um, so anyway, I was not doing well just like mentally because I thought like I've been here for blah, 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 many years and uh, I also like I've always been a chubby kid and so I decided to lose a ton of weight and I became like um, really into running and dieting. I got super crazy about it and dropped a bunch of weight and I was doing the acting classes at that time when I met MJ and I was like on this kind of I thought that this was going to like be the thing that changed my life because there was this insecure part of myself that thought that the reason why I wasn't getting jobs was because I was plus size. Yep. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to get jobs when I, I was yeah. And also I kind of wanted to act too in the back of my mind. So I was thinking like, lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. This will change my life. And so I lost like 40 pounds in a really short period of time. And guess what? My life did not change. I still didn't get jobs. I still didn't, you know, I, of course, like I did have some self-esteem boosters, but like it, it just like kind of proved to me that I was it just wasn't about that. Right. So then I was sort of at this stalemate and um, uh, I met this woman on Twitter of all places. And this is like my fandom coming into play, my fangirl things. And um, she said, uh, I would love to meet you um, and, you know, hang out. I'm on a weight loss journey, too. And I thought, okay, sure, why not? Like, I'm always down to meet new friends, cup of coffee. Well, we she ended up inviting me to this, like, women's um, group thing where it was like, she basically said it's, it's for women to connect with other women. And it's like a support system, especially in a place like L.A., like, you need that. And, and uh, this woman that I met in this group, she, the, a person that was in, in this women's group was a celebrity that I looked up to. And, um, and she was like, and you know, this person's going to be there. And I thought, so you thought, Oh hell yeah, I'm going. Yeah. I was like, right. I never met somebody that intimately, like a, a person that I a- admired. And so I thought, sure. Why not? Like if anything else, I get some free wine out of it. Right. Right. <laughs> so a friend, me and a friend go and it was awesome. It was so much fun. It was downtown LA. I didn't go there that much. Had a glass of wine. Met this person. Then they kind of told us, you know, all about this program, which is basically like come to um, our like this place by the ocean and like a retreat. Yeah, like a retreat and hang out with cool women and basically like talk about your feelings, but also like, like movers and shakers in yeah, LA and yeah. I totally. mean, I remember this because I I remember her telling me that she was going, and then I remember her you know going and then and hearing about it, and I was like, oh, it's cool. It's like a networking group for like young empowered women who are trying to find their way and be the best people they could be. Yeah, cool, cool. Not so much. Not kids. so much. <laughs> yeah. So 
at first it was great. I met amazing people that I'm actually still really good friends with today. And, you know, it was, I thought that there were a lot of things were going to come out of this. Like I started getting introduced to people. I started meeting more like celebrities and actors and different people higher up that I thought were genuinely thought that I was like really talented and, you know, were going to help me. And also to just, it was initially it was a big self-esteem booster because it's like all about you know being more successful in your life and removing those roadblocks to help make you so successful make you more successful and initially it was great I it, I actually did become more successful I started making more money I actually went back and used my editing skills I became a film editor for a few years um, her and her self-esteem went up I watched it yep I saw her being very confident in herself yep and uh then I went to um, upstate New York and I took a course there and that sort of changed my whole trajectory and um, they offered me a job up there and some security this program and I thought like sure why not like I'll go there I think I remember telling you I'm only going to go there for a year because they're doing this like acting uh, program kind of thing and so I thought well yeah like I want to go do that you know so I went up there and one year turned to two, turned to three. I'm going to time out on this. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm now I'm going to give you the, my perspective of it. She's doing really well. Things are starting to click. She's confident. She goes to this program, comes back, and she's like, it was amazing. It was, like, amazing. It, like, changed my life. You have to go. You have to go. You totally have to go. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Um, <laughs> but I was like, listen, you're happy. If that's cool, fine. And she's like, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to move. And I'm like, uh, you're going to move to upstate New York? And she's like, yeah, but it's only for a little while. And I'm like, okay, cool. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to get to meet awesome people there. And I'm networking and I'm meeting all these things. I'm going to get to work on this. I'm going to get these skills. And I'm like, okay, all right. So you're moved, but you know, I'm from Scranton, PA. So I'm like, you're going to move to upstate New York from Los Angeles. And you go to upstate New York and then, then talk about what happens. Then everything was good at first. Um, I was, it was what they, what you thought, right? You were taking, you were learning stuff. You're meeting people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We From would... all over the world, everywhere. Mexico, Vancouver, yeah. Australia, you name it. I was naming people, meeting people from everywhere. It was awesome. I'd never been so exposed to like. Yeah. And as our friend, we would talk. And in my head, I was like, this is, it is weird, but she seems happy. And as long as she's happy and she's getting something out of it, it's not my place to judge. Just shut my mouth and support. Yeah. And I think at some point too, when you're in that environment, it just becomes that's that becomes your life and you don't really see or like other people's opinions about what you're doing kind of just stops mattering because you're happy and you're just kind of doing your thing. And I was making more money and and I was, you know, go aim, I was singing, which is a huge passion of mine. And so I was singing there and I was like working with actual like professional musicians that right. were also in this organization and and i was like wow like i was in la for three years and i didn't get any of this when i was there like this is so cool um but then over the course of that time period there um i sort of started to figure out that things weren't maybe as they seemed it was definitely i think i had my rose colored Glasses. glasses on and they were slowly becoming clearer and clearer and um Stuff started to kind of just go downhill where I, you know, the things that I was doing before now, all of a sudden, like 
they were letting other people do those things. So it was almost like I was given a bunch of stuff. And later on, I found out that that's called love bombing. But I was given a lot of things and a lot of love and support. And then all of a sudden, it was like taken away. And so I started to be like, well, what, what's going on? Like, how am I supposed to make a living? How am I supposed to, you know, all this stuff. So I kind of started to go downhill from there, like mentally and emotionally. And the people around me kind of, they made it seem like what was going on was completely normal. So I didn't, again, I didn't really and question it was your fault. Yes. And, and it was, it was the, the way, the reason you felt that way was your fault. Yeah. The reason why I didn't have the work anymore. The reason why, you know, was because it was because of me and I needed to like basically figure my shit out and then I could be a better person and get all these things back. So if you haven't figured it out yet, guys, she joined a cult. Yes. <laughs> and we, I will say that I had reservations about a lot of this, but again, I kept thinking, well, you know, she's smart. She knows what she's doing. I trust her. The day I was like, oh crap, was the day she started referring to where she was living as the community. And I thought, oh fork this is not good <laughs> like this is not good and she's like well the community blah 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 and i was like oh crap that word triggers so many people it's super yeah. yeah but the thing is is that what they did and and a part that she didn't add in which i'm gonna say but not use names is that original celebrity who she admired so much became an integral part of her life there so she was love bombed and given all this stuff and being started to be able to thrive as the person that she always wanted to be. And then there was this, sl- it wasn't fast, it was a very slow, calculated pivot to, well, see what you could have done, but you're not really doing it because you're not doing things right. Let us tell you how to be. Mm-hmm. And that, that's crazy. That could happen to someone like you who's completely intelligent and so smart and so self-aware and was driven and 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 the reason why I you know want you to talk about this is because you know if what happened to you then from this point on it literally almost killed you yeah and we'll get to that in a second but if this happened to you it could happen to anybody yeah and that's that's something about this whole process that I've kind of learned and you know I've gone through all the different phases denial and anger and shame and all of these different things about it because when you do feel like you have a good head on your shoulders and when you do feel like you've been taught better and you know better and there's been people in your life telling you maybe it's something that you that is bad you you do feel stupid initially when you finally have the recognition that what you were doing or what you were a part of wasn't what you thought and it took me a while to to realize like that that wasn't my fault and yeah. that it could happen to anybody and it can and, and it does, does happen to anybody. So before we continue and going on to the recovery road, tell us about when things went downhill and how you realized what was going on and, and how you dealt with your life in the community when when you kind of realized what was what was what. Yeah. So I I started I'm a really I observe. I can be extroverted with my friends that I am like I'm comfortable with, but otherwise I'm actually pretty introverted. And um, so when I'm uncomfortable in a situation, I just uh, I watch. I'm like I become like a fly on the wall. And so I just sort of started realizing like things were weren't as they seemed as far as just like the people weren't consistent with how they were behaving and acting and what they were saying. 
and I kind of just recognized something's going on. And uh, I wasn't a part of those things. I wasn't a part of like, there was a lot of, um, I don't like sex, there was a, things there was, of sexual there was nature. There's a lot of clicks. There was a lot of clicks within the Yes. Th- there were, there was a hierarchy of people first of all that you were associated with and were very close to but you weren't allowed into that inner circle. Circle. Thank God. Thank God. Yes. Thank God. Thank God. Um so that saved me a lot of heartbreak. But because on. you were so close and you were so in it, you got to see it all. Yeah. In a way that a lot of people that were in a dent. Yeah. So I started questioning like what was actually happening here and uh, or there. I mean, and I uh, but because of that, I was they noticed like it wasn't like they didn't notice me questioning these things. So then a lot of their attention was put on me and it was a lot like Kayla, what's your problem? Right. Like trying to rein me back in, which is what cults do, like trying to convince you that you're crazy and that you need to just chill out. And um so I started suppressing a lot and I started like hiding a lot in my little apartment. And, um, and so I started, I went into a really severe depression, which a lot of people I don't think know, but I was definitely not, it was not a good time in my life. And because of that, I think all of the emotions and everything that I was going through and the, the emotional and mental abuse that I was being put through by this group, I had a heart attack. At what age? 28. 28 years old. Yes. I think it was April. I think, yeah, April was, was April, my first one. And I was, uh, I just landed at Salt Lake City because I was going to this conference for um, a pup for my book. It was before my book was coming out. And I like <laughs> get the rental car and I open up my phone and I have a message and it's like, hey, it's Kayla. Just, yeah. So, so I had a heart attack and I'm like, I literally am like driving next to the Salt Lake and I pulled over and I was like, what? <laughs> you had a heart attack. I had a heart attack. Which, you know, doesn't normally happen to people in their no. 20s. No. I, the doctor asked, he was like, have you recently taken crack? And I was like, no, no. I haven't. Now, uh, we can edit this out. 4537. Can can you tell the story? Are you comfortable telling the story about your mental state when you got taken in the ambulance? With your heart attack? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so guys, this is just, this is, I'm, I'm, I wanted to talk about this because first of all, we're trying to be, if you can't tell, we're trying to be very casual with talking about details of this because it's still a sensitive subject for Kayla, but also there's still things happening in, in real life about this. So, and she just doesn't want to get into it because like, why the hell would she? What this community did is they deconstructed people's personalities and opinions of themselves and then taught them through classes how they are supposed to think the way they wanted them to think so they could be completely controlled and although because kayla is the most stubborn person in the whole world she kind of went along with it but she never really did but this is the thing that i thought was so telling she has this heart attack at in her 20s or late 20s and she's in an ambulance it was an ambulance right yeah. and then this conversation happened go for it so there was the emt and he was probably my age um and he's kind of cute. I have to say that because it lended to how I was feeling in that moment. I was so embarrassed that I had had this heart attack, which a is not a normal response. It's not a normal yeah. response to having a heart attack because I immediately assumed that it was my fault that I had the heart attack because for many reasons. You have learned through this that everything that happens to you is your fault. Yes, in it's the, very Scientology. In the group. 
Yeah. And so the, I was very quiet because when they give you, um, when you go in for a heart attack, uh, at the emergency room, they give you, oh gosh, I forget what it's called. But anyway, it opens up your, uh, arteries. arteries. It's yeah. not aspirin, but whatever. Yeah. And then you get oxygen and stuff. So you actually feel fine. Once you have that administered and the oxygen is back in your heart, you're like, oh, okay, goodbye. Like, that's what it feels like. And so, like, I'm in the ambulance. I have no idea what's happening except for the fact I'm going to go to the hospital. And um, the EMT, who's my age and cute, and I'm super embarrassed. I'm looking down at my hands and he's like, are are you okay? Like, how are you feeling? And I was like, I'm just really prideful right now. I'm really prideful right now in the back of an ambulance after a heart attack that was the first thing that came out of her mouth yeah and the guy looked at me like what What? (laughs) i think he even said what and i was like never mind it's fine don't worry about it like and um, And you said that was a that was like one of your first big wake-up calls right yeah later on i i when i was in surgery so when first of all wait what what the hell what I'm prideful because I'm so proud I had a heart attack right now. I'm amazing. Where's my trophy? I'm prideful. What? In in this group, prideful, being calls. prideful. It's in, it, this in this In this, yes. Uh, it, prideful was like, it was almost like a stubbornness or like a defiant nature. Like if you were prideful about something, it meant that like you you basically didn't give a shit in a way. At least that's how I took it. Other people might have taken it different. So like... I kind of assumed that I was prideful because I was um, like, because I was, I was embarrassed because I was prideful and I was prideful because I was too good to have something like that happen to me. It doesn't make any it, sense. But just the fact that your brain is going there, it, it's, yeah. it, it, it was, it's really, it's hard. It, it's it's eye opening that that can happen in such a short time. Yeah. To people. Yeah. And and so I went to the hospital thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, are they ripping my chest open? Like, what's going on? Because they don't tell you. They're just, like, trying to save your life. So um, I go to the emergency in the hospital. They, you know, do what they got to do. I have a, something called a cardiocatheterization where it's like a little balloon that clears out your arteries. And um, you're awake. Like, you're, you have local anesthetic, but you're just staring at the ceiling the whole time. So that's really where my wake up call came because I had this little voice in my head. I don't know. I like to say my guides are like whatever you want to call them. Angels, people, my own inner voice telling me, you have to go back to L.A., Gayla. You have unfinished business in Los Angeles. Go back home. Because you thought at that point you're like, I could die. I could die. And I completely am off track of what I wanted to do in my life. Yeah. And I think part of me knew I was like, you're not going to die. But like you got to reevaluate some shit right now. So, um, but then I still had that, um, cult persona, as I like to call it, that was interfering. And the first question I asked my doctor is, will I be able to work out again? Because I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to lose weight because this group made it very, um, that like a very high priority was to be thin because they thought that like thinness was a, a way to like, that you were conquering your body's natural urges like that you Mm -hmm. it sounds so crazy when you say it out loud but it was like it was a proof of like your strength basically like you know i remember one time somebody said like why do people listen to oprah she's fat (gasps) yeah like somebody from the group and i I remember a lot of the women were like what (laughs) oprah it's oprah (laughs) thou shall not say a word about oprah i think it's like 
the eleventh commandment. <laughs> yeah. So even so, I know all this. Like, it's if you don't understand cults, like I highly suggest like looking into them because what I find so interesting about this whole process is, is when I'm talking about it, you at home might be like, "That is crazy." Like, I would have never done that. But I also at one point would have heard that and been like, "That's crazy." I would have, I would never do that. And to piggyback on that. I, in a million years, would never think that I had a friend, a close, close friend, who got involved in something like that. And as this stuff all unfolded, sometimes I sat back and go, went, oh, my God, I can't believe, like, I know someone. Yeah. And that, yeah. It's- I can't believe I know myself. Like, it's like, it is weird. It, and I and I get that. Like, and what I what I learned from this whole process, though, is, and especially in the moments with my first heart attack and I say first because I had another one later on yeah um which was also cult related yes by the way um I do have a disease it's called Kawasaki's disease I didn't know I had it so I have a heart defect but um but I do believe that it was the emotions and the, the stress, emotions and the really, stress triggered it yeah, for sure help. yeah yeah so um but yeah so that I that whole process and and having that happen to me and then that was that huge wake up call moment that I needed to, to get out. And that sort of started that whole process of question, really questioning everything in my life and really questioning the people that were surrounding me. And it took me about a year, but eventually I was able to leave, but not fully. I just left upstate New York and came back to LA, but I was still involved with the group at the time for about three or four months. Um, until like I'd moved back to LA and then three, three or four months. Right. And then I quit officially. Um, and that's when I had my second heart attack was after I quit. So I felt like it was my body like was yeah releasing, releasing everything, everything out. But well, they also didn't let you leave easily. They, you yeah, know, there was a lot of shit that went down, but also then after that, the, the world kind of got a wake up call to this place and a lot of shit went down, but we're not even going to get into that. Yeah. So, so that, but, that all taught me really that this could it does it can happen to anybody and also it's the same thing that happens in in abusive relationships both with your partner or a friend or a family member and so um when people have a hard time understanding that i like what how i came to the point where i was doing what they were telling me to do or you know beating myself up over everything and how i got to that point in the in the ambulance where I could say something like that to myself and blame something like a heart attack on myself. It is because of the calculated gaslighting systematic systematic takedown of my own self so that I was more pliable. And that's exactly what bad relationships do. I was just going to say, I think that that's a good point that it's doesn't, you don't have to be in a cult for that to happen. I mean, bad relationships, toxic relationships, Yes, it could be your partner. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. There are people that know how to systematically rip someone down to then be able to manipulate and get what they want out of them. And it's a sad truth, but I bet most people have someone like that in their life. Yes, for sure. And I even recognize, too, you know, once I learned about what gaslighting was and all these different, like, mental and emotional abuse terms and, you know, I went to therapy and all that kind of stuff, like, I I really realized that I also have been guilty of doing stuff like that to friends and people in my life. Like when I want something, of course, you know, and, and, but there's an innocent, exactly. Way, right. There's an innocent way of doing it. And then there's a calculated way. Yeah. So it's like, 
and so it really made that more relatable for me to really understand like how things can happen to somebody who seems like totally you know on the up and up and right well and you know i i I love this story because it leads into our last segment that we'll talk about about you and your life but i can relate to it so much because 10 years ago today i was in laguna beach california to get married to the love of my life and that moment in my life started my whole downfall and the whole end of the first chapter of my life where I thought I would never be okay again. And now I see that, you know, I I look at that day as, yes, it was, you know, my anniversary and I'm still with Pete and he's the best thing that ever happened to me. And, but that day set a series in motion that ended what I thought was important to me, ended the life that I had had been living and put me on this new track and I was so ashamed of what happened. I was so, I never thought I'd be, move on. And now I'm like, oh, I'm so glad it all played out the way it did because where I'm at right now is where I'm supposed to be. I am who I am supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm so much happier and had this crazy, ridiculous time and events not happen to me. I don't, who knows? So yeah. if this hadn't happened to you, who knows? You may still be living in Studio City, like trying to, you know, find editing jobs. But instead, you came back with this whole new sense of I've I've kind of lost some time and there's things that happened that I wish didn't happen, but I'm going to go and jump back in and I'm going to do things my way, the right way. Mm-hmm. What you did to help push yourself forward and get yourself to where you want to be was to write a novel. Mm-hmm. And a novel that you had worked on at or had this idea years ago, right? Like Eight or ten years ago. Eight or ten years ago. So you just then decided, okay, I was in a cult. I had heart attacks. I was going to be <laughs> an editor. I'm a singer. But now I'm going to write a novel. And you did. And it's really good. So tell us about your novel. Oh, gosh. Okay. So years ago, um, there's this thing called National Novel Writing Month, which is this month. Yes. The lovely month November. of November. NaNoWriMo. And um, at the time eight or whatever years ago, um, I was hanging out with some friends that were all novelists. They all wanted to be novelists and they were like, just come write with us. And I was writing screenplays and movies and stuff. They're like, you should try to write a book. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't really like reading. Blah. Like I read fan fiction. That was like my secret, you know, at the time I was reading fan fiction, fan fiction instead of books. Um, By the way, I always tell people you're never supposed to say that line out loud. I don't like reading <laughs> that. That is an inside voice thing. <laughs> well, yeah. So like, and that's why I never said it to anybody. I was like, but because I, it wasn't, I kind of had this recognition. I was like, well, it's not really that I don't like reading. It's just that I was never really into like novels at the time. Right. And because of course, like you said, I'm stubborn and I hate when people tell me to do things, which is funny that I was in a cult because, <laughs> um, but anyway, so I think because in school they're like, you must read novels. Right. I was yeah. like, I don't want to read that. So it took me years to get over that. Now I love books. Oh, but, I read all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the time, so I wrote like 125 pages and then I just forgot about it. And uh, then, you know, after all of this stuff happened, I was really, I had quit everything. I'd had my second heart attack. I was deciding, I decided that um, I did not want, like you said, did not want to um, like write a memoir or uh, go speak publicly to groups about my experience. Not because I don't think that's, 
valid and wonderful because I think the people who do choose to do that, like I'm really in awe of what they put themselves through because it's emotionally rough to relive like the lowest points in your life over and over. And just like you, like you telling your story in your book and when you do your talks, I'm sure it takes some sort of emotional toll on you just yeah. to express those things over and over and over again. Totally. So I just, at the time, I just wasn't in that mind frame where I could, I felt like I could do that. There's a part of me that wanted to, but then there's also a part of me that was like, I have other stories that I want to tell. Yes, they're fictional, but like, I believe they can help people just as much as like my, my truth, my own personal truth can, because it can interweave those things together right. into stories. So I remembered, oh, I have this book. It was at the time, it was called Something Magical that I had written 125 pages of and I decided let me see what I can do with this and I think it was like six or seven months um, over the course of six or seven months I wrote the first draft and this was like two years ago that I did this and um, it was really cathartic and awesome because it I decided that I didn't want I wanted to self-publish because I it and I had this recognition actually a couple weeks ago that I didn't want to self-publish because I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. And I was like, I was sick of people being like, you should do it this way and you should do it that way. And so the thought about going to like a massive publisher and having it edited and people telling me what to do with the stories and the characters, I said, no, I'm just going to do it myself and I'm going to have my friends read it and other people that I find read it and beta edit, you know, all the process that you do for writing, which is a whole nother story. Um, and wrote this book and here it is now but she forgot that one of her best friends has a publishing house yes <laughs> and read it and was like oh my god this is really good guess what <laughs> so yes. we're making sure this novel goes from not just i'm sending it to my friends to it is going to be available on amazon barnes noble uh local bookstores um kindle uh nook uh apple everywhere. it'll be available everywhere and so tell us what it's called it's called wish revelations it's book one book one of i think of two okay of two where i'm aiming for a duology maybe a trilogy but i would like to do a duology okay and so can we get can you give us a little hint or a little teaser of what it's about read it no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> is there anything you want to say to get people know, so it's obviously it's uh it's a fiction it's a it's... new adult contemporary fantasy um i would say too you could border it on ya me and uh, my lovely publisher Hi. nj here uh <laughs> we had a debate back and forth that i really like struggled over where to put it but because yeah, i feel like it's for anyone 14 and up really. i kept saying all right are, are do you want to go hbo and true bloody or like cw and vampire diaries like you're you're right in the line are we going are we pulling back a little bit or are you pushing it a little further so we pushed it a little further because you know gotta like have some sauciness in there so it's a new adult contemporary fantasy and um it's like a mixture of like harry potter and twilight but without the vampires i would say but really you know it's really about a girl who is trying to figure herself out so in a lot of ways it's a reflection of this conversation because it's a girl who thought her life was boring and monotonous and one day this guy shows up into town his name's ethan and strange things start to happen to her but and don't think it's because the guy 
swept her off her feet or anything like that because it is not what happens. <laughs> no. I definitely, you know, thought about the times and also just my own personal journey of, you know, figuring stuff out on my own. And Sophia is her name. Um, call her Sophie, though. Uh, she, and she is a strong lady who lives in Wisconsin because, of course, I had to write Wisconsin into the book. Of course. And, you know, she's she's just trying to figure out where she fits in the world. And this huge thing gets dropped on her shoulders and she has to figure out what to do with it. And now she's got all this crazy stuff happening around her and she has to learn how to be resilient and also how to trust herself and trust her gut. And I think ultimately that's what I had to learn to do as well. Well, It's very relatable. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, it's part of fiction is it's how to take real life and put it into stories that we can digest and enjoy a little bit more. Yes. And Sophie, Sophie's journey is definitely um, about understanding that sometimes things happen to you in your life that you don't have control over. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you can do is figure it out mm-hmm. and make it work best for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the moral of everybody's story. Exactly. And so I think that is why, you know, the people that have read it so far, it is relatable and it is something easy to digest because it, it does. I think we do all go through that journey. And that's why I love your podcast and your story and why ultimately I think like, it resonated with you, too, is we all have those those times in our lives where we just have to figure it out. And yep. it does. It always gets better. And that's something that I'm definitely learning. And, you know, through this whole process with all my friends and the people that have um gotten out of the situation that I was in it's it's that's what I always tell them you know in a week from now you'll look back even on this moment and think oh it's, I, it did get better <laughs> but last week was rough but here I am I'm still standing and that's it is hard sometimes when you're in situations that don't feel good or or are scary to just kind of want to throw in the towel and give up but you just kind of have to keep pushing forward because really there's nothing else to do except what other trend do you have do that yeah. yeah i refused i think that was one thing for me i refused to lay down and die literally right. <laughs> like yeah. i just it's uh, is it hard do i struggle do i have anxiety and all these things of course like mj will tell you i'm a worry wart <laughs> but like i uh, there is no other option for me except to continue to achieve my dreams because no matter what happened to me in my past the biggest triumph I think over people who have hurt you is to just live your best life and to, to of course to do what you said you were going to do. And yeah. here, here I am trying to do what I said I was going to do. And I think MJ knows that about me is if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And if you say you're going to do something or meet her or do something, you better follow through because she really hates that. I really don't like it. <laughs> unless really unless there was a legitimate reason. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> I know Wish is going to do really well. And again, I wouldn't have been putting my whole heart behind it if I didn't expect he people were really going to love it. And um, I'm telling y'all, it is a fun read. And it's just one of those things that you read it and when you finish, you're like, ooh, that was fun. What's going to happen? And it, it has that really, again, even though there's these tones that you can relate to your life and you can understand the journey and there's definitely some messages and morality and themes in there. It's just fun. It's mm-hmm. a fun, exciting read. 
And um, I really think it's going to do extraordinarily well. Thank you. And it is coming out on Wednesday, November 20th. Mm-hmm. And we would highly, I would highly suggest that you go to Amazon and and buy. You can get that the paperback is what, $15.99. Um, you know, if you have Prime, it comes in two days and you can read yeah. it. It's amazing. Um, help me to help Kayla buy it, read it, give her a glowing review on Amazon, help get the word out because it's already starting to look like you will see this on a screen at some point. Yes. So it's, uh, you know, be one of the original groupies. Be one of the cool people. Yeah, definitely. So um, other than the, Kayla being the author extraordinaire and soon to be, you know, number one bestseller, I'm sure. Uh, what else? What else are you planning for the future? Tell tell everybody. I am currently writing book two of Wish. Book two, okay. which you know is fun, and um, really excited to see where the characters go. And then I have like a television pilot that MJ also knows about that I am super passionate about that I hope one day will come to fruition, and um, a musical, a musical about women in war. Um, that I'm working on with um, some other amazing women in New York City. I'm a big Broadway nerd. Um, I would say that uh, as I, I wouldn't know what she's more obsessed with, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> fantasy or actually I'd say Broadway. You're way more of Broadway. A, a Broadway fan girl now than I'm, anything else. Yeah, I love it. You know, there's something about what I love about storytelling just in general Um is you know that you get to express the worlds of people that well don't exist but that have like so many different experiences that other people have had that you may never had or you did have or whatever but what a musical can do is actually get you into the head of a character and they they can literally sing to you what they're feeling which in any other medium would come off as like super boring but in a proud of musical it's like oh yeah i want to hear about like how how hot Bob is down the street or whatever. Like, and it's fun and it's lighthearted. And, and just, I have to say like Broadway performers are just astonishing. They're exceptional. I, if I could someday when we have our television shows and we're we can cast people, I want to like cast Broadway people and everything. Cause they're just like cast myself. (laughs) I I don't care about anybody else. Just just, just put me up there. I'm good. (laughs) And and Edge and I, we both, we love singing and some, we also want to do a, a show eventually together, like a cabaret, but that's, you know, we have so many other things going on. Oh my gosh. But someday so it's gleaming in the future. Someday you'll hear us singing together on the Broadway. Maybe. I have no doubt. All right. Well, this has already gone longer than I tend to let podcasts go, but obviously we can chat forever. So I am going to wrap this up by asking my normal questions. So uh, question number one, are you a sushi girl or a taco girl? I already know this answer and it drives me nuts. But what do you like, sushi or tacos? Tacos. And she doesn't eat fish. <laughs> I eat which fish that's fried. Which it kills me because all I ever want to do is go to sushi. Or I'm like, oh, hey, I'll make this like awesome shrimp dip. Or I'm going to make this. And she's like, ugh. And then eat it. It's gross. <laughs> anyway, so I already knew that one. Shrimp are like I eyeballs. It, I can't handle it. I, I'm, I'm going to just disregard that. All right. Uh, second question. What does your perfect vacation look like? Hmm. Well, I think I'm going on it soon you to are. New Zealand. Um, I where she's gonna go and be a fan 
fangirl. I'm gonna go be a fangirl. I'm gonna go to Hobbiton. I'm gonna do all that stuff. But I think I need to find a place. So if anybody out there can tell me, I need to ride a horse across the New Zealand landscape. Oh dear God! I need to do it. She's not kidding. And I need somebody to play like Lord of the Rings music behind me as I like wear a cape or something. Remember, remember, <laughs> she said she has <laughs> fantasies, <laughs> fantasies right there. Dream girl was your first. Screen name, Dream Girl. Daydreamer. Daydreamer, 226, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, well, that is going to be a great time for you for sure. And I'm so excited. And I'm hoping that I could eat, get there for at least a day or two of it. But my, with my, who knows what my schedule. And then the most important question what's your favorite theme song? Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Good one. Wait, original, right? Yeah, by David Yazbek. Okay, now who's the also new, a the Broadway? Um, no, yeah. Uh, what's their faces? Rockapella did the song, but um, I listen to it still. The one by David Yazbek, the original. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's a good one. I still I, know all the words. I'm sure you do. Well, so do I. But I mean, we're not going to get into <laughs> we're that. We're not going to go into it. Yeah. So, uh, all right, Kayla. How do people find you? My Instagram. And my Facebook is at Kayla Writes Life. And my Twitter is at Kayla Gross. And again, the book is called Wish Revelation. It will be available Wednesday, November 20th on everything. But we are encouraging everybody who is interested to go to uh, Amazon, get the paperback, and get the hardcover too. We want everybody to read this story. So get the paperback, read it, put reviews, tell everybody how much you love it. Spread the word because I think there's going to be a lot more to this than we can even imagine right now. Yes. And it's wish revelations. Wish revelations. <laughs> Sorry, my S. bad. It's okay. <laughs> this way they remember it as they go out. Just re- wish, wish, revelations. Wish, revelations. wish revelations. Wish revelations. All right. So thank you, Kayla. Thank you, MJ. I love you. Have You're you. the best. And everybody, thanks for listening. And remember that you can be bankrupt and completely ruin your life or in a cult and then you can have your own podcast and be an author too so see life is grand yes it is bye Bye. (laughs) and if you enjoyed our podcast today make sure to hit subscribe and rate review us and follow along on social media at lltf the podcast i absolutely love getting to this podcast it is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come but it takes a lot of time and money and that's where you come in if you think you'd like to donate Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTFthepodcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTFthepodcast. Well, she sneaks around the world from Vienna to Carolina. She's a sticky-fingered filcher from Berlin down to Belize. China, tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Steal their soul in South Korea, make it that it comes right on the from the Red Sea to Greenland. They'll be singing the blues. Well, they never Arkansas her steal the makeup from the jungle. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego. She go from Nashville to Norway, to Zimbabwe, Chicago to Czechoslovakia. Well, she'll ransack Pakistan and run a scan in Scandinavia. Then she'll stick them up down under and go big pocket first. She was the missing misdemeanor when she stole the beans from Lima. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego.